Thank you for listening to the BJJ Brick Podcast. We'll be bringing you Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and good times. We hope to flatten your Jiu-Jitsu learning curve, help you get the most out of your grappling ability, and meet your goals both on and off the mat. Welcome back, my friends, to episode 128 of the BJJ Brick Podcast. My name is Byron. I'm here with my good buddy, Gary. Gary, what is happening? You know, it's just a great day today. Uh, it's uh, March Madness time, so everybody's watching basketball. But uh, us mat junkies, we're talking talking about jiu-jitsu, and uh, so we're having a good time. We've got an outstanding interview uh, with a gentleman named Bruce Hoyer. He has a interesting way to teach class, and he's getting some, some great results with it. Um, I'll let him explain it in, in much more detail, obviously, but he's, he's cutting edge, using technology. His students are uh, following individualized lesson plans from the day they walk into the school. So um, very innovative, and uh, I think that it's going to be good to get people thinking this way and, and maybe exposed to his ideas and what he's doing. So that's going to be the interview. Yeah, the, the crazy thing about it is I, I saw a post on it on the underground um, and I, I remember reading a little bit about that. And then uh, next thing you know, Byron tells me he's interviewing her and uh, telling me a little about, bit about it and his uh, uh, teaching style. And I was like, oh, I, I've read about this guy. So uh, pretty cool. Small world. Yeah, small world. And uh, I guess our jiu-jitsu world is, is, a, is a good small community. It's, it's getting bigger and that's nice as well. The key is a good community. That's the key. That is the key. Yeah. I mean, here you got a guy who... Who uh, is not afraid to share uh, his teaching style? I mean, I mean, it just makes everybody better. I mean, he's he's not afraid to just keep a group. He's out there helping everybody else. So, uh, just shows what a great community we have and what a great person Bruce is. Yeah, it's it's. I think about the time uh, it just has changed. There were some. There were used to be secret techniques and and don't show this. I'm going to show you, but don't show anybody else. And now uh, I really feel that it's it's opening up more and more. Uh, every day and and you just like bruce opening up what he's doing and sharing that with everybody to hopefully have better academies um you know all, everywhere you know if this is right for you that's great if not keep doing what you're doing that's fine too it's just just one one person's way to do something different it's definitely worth a look at and uh, maybe you adopt the whole system maybe you adopt an idea or two from it and go from there it's just it's just kind of exciting to learn about what somebody else is doing in this in this way yeah, I, I just think it's awesome. Uh, you know, there's not just one way to, uh, as I say, skin a horse. A uh, bunch of different ways to do it, and uh, he just gives gives you a different option um, to teach your students or try to get better. I've never heard the expression about skinning a horse, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> skin a cat, skin a horse. <laughs> Same animal. Uh, yeah. You know, there's more than one way to, to skin a horse, and there's more than one way to skin a cat. And there's also yeah. more than one way uh, to get the BJJ Brick podcast delivered to you. Uh, a lot of people will subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher, and then it pops up and, and downloads automatically for you. Another way would be to go onto our website and add your name to the email list. You can also do that on the Facebook page, and uh, and we'll send you out the episode uh, show notes with a link to the d- download every Tuesday morning. Yep, and they also there's more than one way to get better at jiu-jitsu in your first year. But the way I recommend is to check out Byron's audio book, um, Your First Year in BJJ, 
It's only $11.99. It's two and a half hours of Byron guiding you through your first year of jiu-jitsu. It's just like our podcast. Byron talking about different topics, uh, how to get ready for a tournament. Another good one is how to pick your right, pick your school. Uh, you know, there's a lot of schools out there, and your success or failure can depend on that school. I mean, the school may not fit for you, and you may end up quitting. Um, so it's very important to pick a good school um, right off the bat. But definitely check that out, $11.99, your first year in BJJ. Yeah, thank you, Gary. And uh, I think we had two beautiful uh, segues <laughs> from, from that. So uh, we're, we are on our way to a five-star show, and we'll get oh, back d- to that. Uh, another, in the future. Another segue. <laughs> uh, but that'll be towards the end. We'll talk about the five stars at the end of the show. Hey, and another heads up is we have a new segment, Gary. Byron, do we have a new segment? And what would that be today, sir? Okay. Uh, I think everybody who trains Jujitsu and kind of gets the bug and gets hooked on it has the, the dream of going to Brazil and training there. Um, that is true. Not everybody does it, but a lot of people, a lot of people do, you know, especially if you have a coach or a friend who is from Brazil and you can kind of go with them and have, have that sort of a trip. Uh, that seems like a, a very common way to do it. But to get the most out of this trip, I've teamed up with our friend Claudio, definitely a friend of the show here and here in town, a good training partner. And he's teaching us a little bit of Portuguese. So we've got, I think it was nine, um, different segments. So it'll air over nine different shows here. We're going to play them at the end of the, after the interview. And he's just going to teach you a word or two or maybe a key phrase or, uh, you know, a greeting or something like that uh, a little bit every time. Uh, that way you'll be able to, to learn a little bit of Portuguese. And trust me, when you're in a different country and you don't speak the language, a few key words goes a long ways. You know, for me, I would just need to know how to say, I'll take that supersized. <laughs> for me, I just need to say sorry because I'm always apologizing for things I do uh, that put me in a bad spot. But Gary needs things supersized. I like it, buddy. Yep. I'm hungry. <laughs> but that'll come. We'll do that towards the end of the show, and we'll do that several um, – it looks like nine episodes at least is what we've already got recorded. So that'll be good to have our friend Claudio uh, teach us a little bit of Portuguese for those who are adventurous in their travels. Yep, that's a great idea. Um, definitely makes it, like you said, a lot easier if you're traveling somewhere just to know some key basic words or phrases. So uh, uh, can't beat that. Speaking of keywords and phrases, Gary, uh, what's up with our quote this week? This week, we, we actually forgot to play this quote last week. Uh, it's a Sean Williams' quote. My grandpa was a very special person in my life, and he said one time told me, today is tomorrow's yesterday, so make it count. And how have you used that in, in uh, jiu-jitsu? <laughs> you know, I, I think uh, it's today is, is extremely important. We live life once. We have one today. Like, as today... There's one February 8th. That's it. And tomorrow, it's going to be yesterday. So you need to live your life like it matters. Um, if you, Especially, let's talk about the guy going twice a week. If it's your day to go to jiu-jitsu and you say, you know, I'm tired today. I'm going to rest. And there's not good reason to rest, like real good reason to rest. <laughs> go, go and train. Get your training done because tomorrow – You'll be like, ah, I wish I would have went yesterday. You know, I should have went to training yesterday. Um, yeah, it's gone. Today is tomorrow's yesterday, so make it count, Gary. You know, that is the key. Um, like you said, uh, you know, there's only one certain day. Today is March 20th. Um, 
you know, of each year. There's only one day. How many times have you regretted something that you said, hey, you wish you could have done this, you wish you would have done it yesterday, and, and you didn't? And, you know, we are never guaranteed that next day. Let's let's make each day count. And, you know, here a couple of weeks ago we were talking about the trying out a class and, you know, how everybody always says, I need to get in shape first. And four months go down the road and they still haven't done it. They still haven't gotten shape. And, and they just look back and it's like, man, I wish I would have just started that day. So, uh, you know, let's be adventurous. Let's do it. Let's uh, try not to have any excuses. I mean, sometimes stuff's going to come up that you just can't get around. But, uh, you know, if if you're just sitting around doing nothing, get to class. Uh, get outside and enjoy the weather. Go take the dog for a walk. Do something. Uh, don't don't uh, regret it if you don't do it that day. Yep. To live today to the fullest. And I, I my first thought when I hear this is, uh, less TV for the average person. Um, how much value is TV really adding to your life, and and what could you be doing instead of, of watching a, a show on a regular basis? And um, Byron and I were just talking about this right before we came yes, on we air. Were? Um, I, I I'm a basketball fan, and and uh, I was telling Byron my team right now is playing Syracuse. I'm from Syracuse, New York. I love watching the Orange play, and Byron's like, hey, let's uh, let's wait a you know, a couple hours of the game's over and we'll record. And I was like, you know, Byron, I'm one of those guys, I, I'd rather play the sport than watch it. I, I don't watch a ton of sports. Uh, you know, I'll watch a little bit of the game or whatever, but I I would rather go outside and shoot baskets or I'd rather go to the YMCA and, and run or, or work out. I'd rather go to the gym and, and uh, get on the mats and work my jiu-jitsu or work some wrestling. It's uh, That's me, and, and I know Byron's the same way. I, I do watch TV, um, but I, I try not to... Uh, you know, let it take over my life. Yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to picture it like in my own uh, in my own world. I'm not a huge basketball fan, but if there was an average UFC on or an open mat at the same time, I think there's a good oh, chance uh, I'll go to the open mat. You know, I'm going mean, to the open mat. In yeah, a second. I mean, like I don't like care the killer if it's Conor McGregor, <laughs> uh, Diaz too. I'm going, I'm going to the open mat uh, for the big ones. I'll probably go watch that. You know, for the big for for uh, you know the big grappling events, I'll probably uh, watch those online. But you know, if it's just you know just something to do and is you know an average show you, for me, I, go yeah, train. A funny, one, yeah, a funny one is my training partner Mike Mike Canfield. If you're listening, but uh, he got married on a Friday night and uh, Saturday morning they were getting ready to uh, go off their honeymoon. But he told his his new wife that they had to wait till about eleven thirty till they could take off because uh, he wanted to get in his nine to eleven open mat on every morning. There you go. And uh, nobody could believe that he actually showed up. But uh, you know, it's and his wife was actually happy he went too because she knows that that's important to him. And uh, if he works out, it you know he's a happier person. You know that day. So. Uh, Perfect. I, I always laugh about that when I make fun of them for doing it, but uh, uh, I do it too. So, and I'm not divorced. <laughs> yeah, it's the key word. Yeah, uh, live the day to the fullest. You know, that's kind of yep. what the quote's getting at, and uh, and it's it's a nice quote that uh, uh, Sean shared. And and Sean, usually we do the quote of the week from the last interview, but like I forgot that he gave that quote. You know, I didn't see it on on the computer files there. Uh, the files were in the computer, and uh, I saw it pop up, and oh, there, I guess I still use that. So happy to use it. It's from Sean Williams, and if you enjoyed the quote and you didn't catch the interview, uh, check it out, and uh, it's two episodes back. So, Hey, Byron, it's okay. We're human. We all make mistakes. 
I make a lot of mistakes, Gary. I'm very good at that. You know, you need to learn how to say sorry in Portuguese. And if you stay to the end of the end of the show, maybe you'll learn that word. Desculpa. Oh, you already know. Me desculpa, I think. I think. I'm, I'm yeah. some, some, I might be saying something totally different, but uh, I think that's what it was. But uh, that would be a few episodes then. I need to learn how to say then. tap out <laughs> in Portuguese. Good thing that's just sign language, buddy. <laughs> We've got an interesting article. What's up with our article, Gary? Uh, we have an article, uh, it's a good, art, great article uh, by Jonathan Hale. Um, it's called "We Don't Have Time for Jiu-Jitsu. and it goes, I guess, it kind of goes along with our quote. Yeah, that's true. Um, this will be on uh, Big Jujitsu Articles. WordPress. We'll put a link to it. Um, it's by the Big Jujitsu people, and they also have a podcast as well. Um, so this article is basically talking about kids. And um, doing jujitsu and, and kind of like looking at school and school sports and jujitsu and, and and all the different options that that parents weigh and, and also kids weigh when when making the choice of what to do, um, you know, with their extra time. And you know the the thing I see today and compared to when we first started, Byron. Remember, there were no kids, um, rarely any kids practiced, and if they did. They just, you know, there was one or two, and they just went right along with with you. And now they, I mean, I see some of these schools have, you know, especially uh, you look at uh, Justin Rader leading uh, Little Warriors at Lovato School. He's he's got such a big uh, uh, kids uh, group there, and and you know, I know a lot of the schools around town here. It's uh, it's really growing, growing in popularity. It's kind of neat to see. Yeah, and so as a as a parent, you're you're looking at two options. You know, we're trying to figure out the good and the bad, and there's going to be both uh, for for school programs and for a, a martial art program outside of school like jujitsu. Um, one strong thing that jujitsu offers is there's not seasons, so it's anytime you want your child to go train, uh, you know, it's time. You know, it's not you don't have to wait for the for a football season or a wrestling season or track season. It's time to train. It's it's the season is now. Yep. And I, I like that. Um, you know, let's say you have a – what I like is with the not having a season, your kid can still play the sport. You know, let's say your kid wants to play football. And I like what the author talks about here is, you know, let's say you, you do want to play football or you do have failing grades. Take some time out of jiu-jitsu for a little while. And like what I, I like what it says, it'll be there when, you know, your grades get back up or football season's over. So you can still play your football and, and spend the rest of the time uh, doing jiu-jitsu or, or, you know, who knows? You may play two sports. You may go football, then basketball and, or wrestling and then uh, do jiu-jitsu the time after that. So uh, it's always there. That's, uh, that's the neat thing about it. G- Gary, what would be uh, a large advantage that the schools would have over a, a jiu-jitsu program? A uh, large advantage at a school. Yeah, like 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 why you'd why a parent would would evaluate jujitsu and evaluate wrestling or evaluate basketball or something like that okay. and pick and pick yeah. the one at the school program. Okay, you know the school programs. Well, well first of all, it, it's a sport you can play in the United States in uh, in high school. Um, you know our high school teams all have sports, which is a which is a pretty big deal. Uh, a lot of the kids want to you know play in their local high school team. Where you know, so it's something. It's it's a high school sport. It's a sport you can go into college. It's a sport. I mean, if you're incredible at it, very few percentage you can even make money doing it, being a professional. So uh, I think that's one of the the avenues uh, you know the parents look at and 
putting their kids into a school sport versus a jiu-jitsu. Yeah, but you mentioned about percentages. Uh, that's check out this article here. Um, he he does pull in some numbers, and it's hard to tell how you know accurate the numbers are. But you know, out of all the kids who are playing sports in school, less than five percent of those kids will play uh, the sport in college. Unless, yes. and so then you have the college kids. Unless eight percent of that five percent that made it to college will play any sort of a pro uh, level. So, uh, but by the math on that, uh, you get a thousand kids playing uh, a sport. Fifty of them go on to play in college, and of those fifty kids, four. So out of, out of those thousand children, four adults will play in a pro uh, setting. Uh, by his math, and it probably varies quite a bit based on the school you're at. You know, the level of coaching you're getting, and, and, and so many things. But those aren't big numbers, even if you double that, or you know, you cut it in half. It's two out of a thousand, or you double it's eight out of a thousand. It's it's pretty low odds of of going on to play pro. So you've got to ask yourself, why do you want your kids to play sports? Uh, maybe is a good way to to evaluate what kind of sport they're going to play. Gary, what would be? Why would you want a, a child, not to say yours, but anybody's? Uh, why would you recommend that sports would be good for them? Well, first of all, it's it's just going to keep you healthy. You know, any sport is going to uh, you know get your heart rate up, uh, keep your weight down. I mean, which is a big ac- epidemic in the United States today, or probably the whole world. And uh, you know, we want to be raise healthy individuals, and, and you know, it teaches you. You know, even a lot of people think of jujitsu and wrestling as a uh, solo sport, basically, because you're out there by yourself on the mat. But jujitsu and wrestling really teach a ton of teamwork i mean we're always talking about team we're always talking about you got to be a good training partner you're the one who gets your training partner the win uh you have to be a good drilling partner so you know teamwork it's so important in today's job market i mean we're teaching kids to be good individuals as they get older and sports is is a great way to do it teaches them to win lose teaches them how to work hard and, and these are all uh how, what do you uh, these are all things you're going to need to succeed in this world yeah it, it, today's day and age it seems like uh, the attention span of, of of everybody is like getting destroyed and it's smaller and smaller as people watch vines you know the little 10 second videos or I don't know how long it is Gary. <laughs> but it, I mean it's just like you, you could type in on YouTube or uh, maybe I don't know vine uh, you know funny vines and you'll just watch clip 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 and your attention span has got to be getting just crushed, you know, in, in the long run of things. And, and kids, you know, they all got their phones and, they, and they're all playing games and they're texting all the time. Uh, take them out of that setting just for an hour or two, several times a week. And I'm sure it's going to have a great effect on, on you know, personality development and character development and, and understanding the, the, you know, the values of hard work. And, and, and like you said, fitness is a, is a big problem all over the place. So. Yeah, I did that yesterday with my son. Uh, we'd been on vacation for a week, and so we missed wrestling practice for a week. And, and um, you know, we were out hiking every day. But we came home uh, Friday night and Saturday morning. I, was, I took him to open mat with me, and he really didn't want to go. And uh, I was like, hey, if you stay here, you're just going to – I know you're going to be playing games. I need you doing some kind of exercise. And, you know, once he got out, he was – you know, he was happy. And it was – Sometimes I, you know, I just got to give him a little push and tell him he's got to go. But uh, I don't want, you know, him playing on the 
playing playing games all day long. I, I mean, I don't mind if he's outside playing soccer or you know climbing trees. I just don't want him uh, on electronics all the time. And it's always good, like you said, to get your kid out for an hour or two, uh, just uh, something a little different, something uh, moving the body. Yeah, and that's what this article you know it mentions. Jujitsu is not a hobby; it's a lifestyle. And it's going to give your child uh, skills they could use later in life. And a lot of that's going to be fitness. And I look at some of the things I do fitness-wise. I picked them up in school. I learned them from my my old high school or junior high gym coach. And as as simple of ideas they were, I learned them then and I I stick with them today. Uh, You know, I've also added on to that, thank goodness. But um, you're teaching children about their bodies, about fitness, about health. And uh, jiu-jitsu can be a big part of that. And I tell you – Another big thing is just the self-confidence. Um, you know, you do learn self-defense. You, you do – it just gives you confidence if you do get into a, a confrontation. Um, all the jiu-jitsu instructors I know are not bullies and tell you, you know, don't use this. It's, you know, it's for self-defense. And, and man, it's just that confidence. Like I, my kid doesn't really train much jiu-jitsu, mostly wrestling. But even in wrestling, I've just seen – how much more confident he's he's gotten three years of wrestling, and uh, I just really like what uh, uh, jujitsu wrestling uh, sports have done done for my kid. One of the uh, big advantages that uh, that the schools have is the cost. You know, if you want to sign up for jujitsu, I don't know how much it's going to be at a school near you, but it's going to probably be more than it would be to to wrestle for a season or play baseball for you know the baseball season. Or, or any of those activities, jujitsu, you know, it's not supported by the government. You know, the, so you're gonna, have to, you know, the parents paying the whole cost of the of that program. Um, any thoughts on that, Carrie? You know, that is a tough situation. There um, it does cost a little bit more, but you know, with what you learn, is it worth it? I think so. I mean. I'll spend a lot more money on my kids than I will with myself and, you know, just for the extra confidence and, and you know, the, the physical fitness aspects and even the social aspects. So, you know, um, the one thing I've always seen that makes it kind of hard for me as a parent is, you know, I work till 5 or 6 o'clock every day. And, and, you know, that's about the average time most people get off work. And it seems like always the kids' classes are the early classes, you know, 5 o'clock, 5.30 and it's like I could never get my kid to uh, to practice by that time. That's uh, that's one roadblock I've ran into, um, you know, with my work schedule. Yeah, and I know some of the bigger uh, academies will actually like send a little you know van or little bus to the school and, and be able to pick up the kids and take them right to the to jiu-jitsu from there, cutting out the middle person of the parent, I guess. But um, that. That that is a big hurdle to get kids to there in time. Uh, the the cost thing, um, maybe you know. So if, let's say it's a hundred bucks a month to, for your child to do jujitsu. Looking at twelve hundred bucks a year, give or take a few hundred bucks, based on my poor ability to do math. Um, that was that was correct, though, Byron. Sweet, <laughs> and my inability to to know the how many months are in a year. Um, but all that because I. Didn't pay attention in school when I was a child, so I should have done jujitsu. Busy with physical fitness, <laughs> and look where it's got him. Oh, it man. got him a black belt. <laughs> this whole thing is falling apart, Carrie. Um, no, but uh, so maybe if, if the cost is a big factor, you know, you look at your budget for the whole year. You know, spending twelve hundred bucks on jujitsu. Do the school athletic programs? Do the wrestling? Do track and and 
in football or wherever. And then in the summertime, find a summer program for the for your child to do jujitsu or something like that. And and that way, the, the year round they're active, and uh, and and that would cut the cost significantly. They would get exposed to jujitsu. And you know what? If they do jujitsu for a summer and they love it, well, then you're probably going to look at having them do something that they love. You know, probably possibly for a lifetime, which is uh, the cost of that is not that expensive compared to you know what they've found and what they've added to their life. But if they if they enjoy it, you know, and they want to go do football when it comes around or whatever other sport they, they when it's time, that's fine too. And then back again to jujitsu in the summer. I think that's a nice little loophole to, to save yourself some money to also expose them to jujitsu. You know, find a summertime program. And if your school doesn't have one that's near you, ask you know try to prompt them to do one. You know, and yeah. tell tell them why. I mean, these aren't big corporations running these schools. These are people trying to, you know, keep their doors open and, and make a profit, and, and they're often open for ideas like this. Yeah, and I know some schools now are actually starting, like, jiu-jitsu clubs um, at schools. So, I mean, it, you're going to see more and more of that as jiu-jitsu becomes more popular and, again, gets uh, bigger, especially with all these uh, uh, young kids training now as they get up in school, and some of them, uh, you know, may start a jiu-jitsu club. So it's, uh, we're going to see more of that here in the future. And you can also use jujitsu when you're playing football. You know, just uh, just as that guy's coming towards you right when yeah. you're getting ready to tackle him, pull guard. You know, catch that leg and uh, heel hook. <laughs> <laughs> Boom! His football's over. <laughs> no, I don't. I'm not advocating heel hooks on the football field. Yep, not on the football rink. Not at all. The football rink. Yeah, not on the football court. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we, we kind of got, um, you know, this is a nice article. It's got a lot of facts and numbers here, and, and it's really supportive of jujitsu. We We kind of, as we talked, I think, Gary, we, we um, looked at, like, some, kinda, maybe some yeah, negative we, things about it. But, um, you know, obviously we both support children who jujitsu. That's awesome. If your kids have that desire and they have the, uh, you know, it's in your schedule and, and you have the, the money for it and all this stuff, absolutely. And at the end of this article, it's really nice. It says send this, you know, this article to somebody who who might need to see it. You know, whether that be a parent of somebody who has a kid that might be interested in jujitsu or something like that. Um, it, it's it's good exposure for uh, the sport to, for a parent to read the article like this because a lot of the parents that have their kids train don't actually train, which is to me seems weird. But um, you know, not all you don't have to train to have your kids train. So um, no. you know, if they're interested in it, this article might help you out. Um, and, and maybe our conversations helped out a little bit too, but uh, check it out. We'll put a link to it in the show notes, bigjujitsuarticles.wordpress.com. But what I do see, Byron, you're talking about a lot of the parents whose kids train, don't train. But I do see a lot of times that the parent may not train. He's watching his kid for a month or two, and then finally he gets out there on the mat. So uh, not only is it going to benefit your kid, if you get out there on the mat, it's going to benefit you too. So uh, join your kid. And, and I'm, I'm to the point, it's like I just love training with my boy. And uh, I can't wait till he gets a little bit older and uh, and he starts tapping me out. That's going to be crazy. Yep, that'll be that'll be awesome. Yep. looking forward to it. Yeah, the family that trains together, it's a great, great, uh, great family there. Yep, great, great times. Strong families there. Yep. So uh, we'll put a link to it in the show notes, Gary. We uh, yes, that Mark. was a long article discussion, I believe. <laughs> yeah, I think we've made it. Longer but it was it's a great topic and we every time we have articles that involve kids we always uh tend to kind of go long which is fine because it's an important uh part of uh our martial art and our sport and and you know some kids it's it's great for them so yeah. uh it's important so it's worth it absolutely 
So we'll go ahead and, and air our interview with Bruce Hoyer. Here we go. He is the most interesting grappler in the world. While on a mission to bring geese back to his team, he was bitten by a zombie. He then awarded this zombie his blue belt. They are making a new TV series about this blue belt zombie. There is no organic way to pass his spider guard. The only way is to use poison. DeWalt has a new power drill coming out next year. They are studying him to make it more efficient. They are planning to have a competitive advantage on their competition, just like he does. I don't always listen to podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the BJJ Brick podcast. Stay sweaty, my friends. All right, my friends, I'm happy to bring Bruce Hoyer to the BJJ Brick podcast. Bruce, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, I'm happy to bring you on here. You have a unique way of teaching a jiu-jitsu class that uh, we're going to get into, uh, hopefully in depth. But uh, before we get into that, can we just get to know you a little bit better? Tell us about like where you're at and, and you know what you do and, and where you're training. Sure. I'm in the uh, currently frozen tundra of Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Um, I've lived here, kind of moved over when I was young. I moved 18 times um, from when I was you know a kid to when I was in high school. Uh, so I've lived all over uh, the United States, kind of in the Midwest region, I should say. Um, but uh, lived here for the last, you know, almost 20 years and been t- training Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for the last 15. Um, I got my black belt from uh, Rodrigo Medeiros, uh, or Comprido, out of Chicago um, and been training with uh, Team Brasa for ever since pretty much uh, 2008. Uh, before then, I was uh, under um, Amika Sapili or Amika um, out of Vegas, and also uh, Higgin Machado. And so um, we made a, a team switch when I ended up leaving uh, one of the previous gyms because the instructor uh, moved down to Arizona, so we kind of made a switch there. And uh, ever since then, I've been super happy and, and like I said, kind of love being uh, a uh, in a small little town um, but with uh, a lot of ties to, you know, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and fighters and, and stuff like that. We're all students of jiu-jitsu, but when did you kind of make the transition from being just learning jiu-jitsu to, to running your own school and, and academy? Um, you know, that was kind of placed on me when, like I said, um, my instructor and I, we had a falling out, and then he ended up leaving uh, to Arizona, and so there wasn't a lot of instructors around here. So I was a purple belt at the time in uh, 2007 and 2008. Uh, we started our gym. So I, I started in 2000 and had only been training about, you know, seven or eight years. And it wasn't an ideal situation for me just because, you know, I was still uh, only a purple belt and I didn't want to have to coach yet. Um, I, that was something that I uh, thought was going to happen, you know, when I was uh, an older gentleman. But there was nobody really that was a higher rank than me. And so I kind of assumed that role. And, you know, ever since then, it's been uh, it's been kind of a fun little scenario. I, I enjoy coaching way more than I thought I would. Um, I feel like it's probably taken a little bit away from my competitive side, um, but it's it's way more rewarding uh, at being a coach, I think. Could you tell me a couple of things about your, your game, uh, maybe the techniques that you like to do, or maybe your style of grappling that you prefer? 
Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm 6'5", 235, 240 pounds most of the time, but I, I play a very small man's game. Um, I, you know, when I was younger, I got really uh, into, like, all the smaller uh, guard positions and really into turtle guard there for a while. Uh, but predominantly, if I'm getting a submission, it's probably either going to be, you know, a, a triangle uh, from some, you know, funky guard or trying to get to the back some way um, and getting a, a choke, like, you know, bow and arrow choke or a short choke, things like that. Um, so it's <laughs> it uh, probably has not done me the best in the fact that, um, like I said, I'm, I'm a bigger guy that really tries to play, um, you know, a sense of, you know, crazy guard. So as soon as, you know, you see a, a daily heave come out, a different daily heave sweep or reverse daily heave or any kind of crazy thing, I'm, I'm trying it even though it's probably not really, uh, you know, beneficial towards my, my size and then assess, you know, especially my joints. Um, but it's, uh, that's probably what you're going to see from me, especially if um, I'm competing. As, you know, I'm, I'm in an absolute division. Um, if you watch some of the videos, you'll almost see me always um, drop into guard if I'm going up against a much, much smaller person just for the fact that I, I want to be able to beat that person um, purely based on skill and not necessarily always based on, you know, my size. I want it to be, okay, I didn't just beat him with being a lot bigger. Um, it was... I, you know, beat him technically, and it's funny too, but you'll see some videos sometimes, like, especially the matches that I had at Grappler's Quest, um, they said, okay, you know, this guy just won because of his size, and there wasn't any really a, you know, point where I had used size, or, um, you know, I was always, I pulled guard, you know, I was always lying on my back, and then I think I hit triangle, and there was, like I said, there was no, no point where that was really, you know, a size uh, scenario, if you will, it wasn't like I was in, in side control, and so, um, that's one big thing that I try to, uh, try to emulate is, is just using, not using my size, um, if I don't need to. That, uh, I guess that's, that's cool that, I mean, you said you're six, five, you said, uh, at first thought I was like, this guy's huge. He's going to smash everybody. And then you, uh, you know, like to, like to play guard and, and, and work the techniques of your game. And even in a competitive aspect, you're really focusing on. Um, not smashing people, but working the techniques and and uh, working the game from there. Yeah, for sure. Because I mean, that's ultimately going to make me, you know, a better coach. And I, I want to be able to have that from from both ends. Sometimes it'll get me in a lot of trouble, um, you know, competitively. Because I'll, I'll go out there with probably the wrong mindset at certain points. You know, when I should uh, go out there and actually use, uh, you know, an athletic ability or my size. Um, but for the most part, that's uh, like I said, me just trying to learn more um, than, than being a, a super competitive guy. Um, with my with my students, uh, I feel like I'm a, a super competitive person and I want them to win, but I, me personally, I'm, I'm rather uh, happy to throw myself out there as, as kind of a, a testing tool or a litmus test, if you will, of, of if these techniques are going to work or not. How often do you compete? Um, I used to compete a lot more. Like I said, with uh, the gym, yeah. it's uh, it's been really tough, and then I, I keep getting plagued with knee injuries. Um, but I would say, you know, I used to compete at least ten to twelve times a year um, previously to open up a gym. But now it's probably four or five times a year. Um, I won the you know purple belt uh, nogi uh, world championships way back when in two thousand nine, um, and then I won uh, Chicago Open several times as a brown belt. As a black belt, I haven't competed at IBJJF tournaments. I've, I've done uh, several tournaments. I think I've won uh, three tournaments as a black belt um, and then placed uh, at the other two that I've done. So 
I've had my black belt now for just about two years. You also have a bit of a history in the uh, jiu-jitsu podcasting world. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. Um, I used to do, you know, back in the kind of the very beginnings of, of podcasts, I used to uh, help out the Fightworks podcast with Caleb uh, there. And then I did a small time of, of running my own as well as uh, BJJ Radio. And then also uh, we tried an ill-fated uh, live stream uh, podcast with uh, BJJ Connect where essentially you would – uh, you know, we would kind of have a, a live video feed, and it would be all the, the latest news in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, kind of like uh, what This Week in BJJ does, uh, but it was quite a bit before then. And then we'd try to have hosts on, and as I'm sure you're aware of, you know, I mean, sometimes you'll get a, try to get a hold of somebody live in, you know, Brazil or wherever, and you can't get a hold of them. <laughs> uh, and so if I probably would have planned a little bit better, it would have been really nice to, you know, just have additional material there waiting for me, but a lot of it was... Um, you know, just dead air um, with me kind of waiting around trying to figure out what to do as this, you know, uh, the guest of the day wouldn't be on. And then the other nice thing that we tried to do is, you know, people could submit footage of themselves training um, and that particular guest, you know, would go on and, and try to help as much as they could, um, kind of dissecting some of the problems there. So it was uh, it was a really nice thought, and I think it, it could have worked really well, but it was at a time when the Internet was both uh, not as fast as it is now, Computers weren't, you know, quite as good, and uh, the uh, BJJ community wasn't quite as big as well. So, well, cool, and it's, you know, there's lots of lots of podcasts out there, and and, and you were definitely one of the first um, out there. And then sometimes people just kind of just, you know, how's Bruce doing? It's good to hear uh, that you're still doing well, and you're still training and and working on the mats. So, uh, good to hear from you, I guess. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it's, like I said, it, it, it's kind of crazy how, you know, you when you start doing um, podcasts and things like that, you kind of get an um, unrestricted access to a, a lot of brilliant minds in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And for me personally, uh, coming up and being, you know, one of the first ones there, uh, being, a, you know, like a podcast person or a journalist person almost, um, it's, it's kind of nice because in the Jiu-Jitsu community, especially way back when, uh, everybody was pretty much clamoring to get exposure. And so, uh, you know, you could go and talk to, you know, Leo Vieira or whoever for an hour and get kind of this uh, unfiltered information from a very high-level guy, um, even though, you know, like I said, I was living in, in South Dakota or, you know, you're, um, I think you live in the Midwest as well. So, Yeah, it's it's neat to, to reach out and, and uh, contact people from all over the world. And, and uh, I think it's a little different than it was uh, when you were doing it because – you know, people were clamoring back then to get attention, and now that you know they largely have their own <laughs> platforms with Facebook and people following them, and and this is just a, a way sometimes for them to get a little bit more or to just share their story at, at a, maybe a little bit more in depth level. But but uh, you had some great interviews on there, and and uh, and it, one of my favorite uh, Jiu-Jitsu shows, you know, right? Yeah, so he, Caleb was uh, he, he worked so hard at that that he it's and you probably know this as well that you know when you do it it's it's incredibly tough to to keep that thing going every time you know just uh to come up with new information new interviews things like that yeah i was very impressed with that and 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 as i fumbled through this uh my own podcast it's uh, and i go back and listen to 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 those sometimes just to maybe i'll interview some of the same people and i'll just want to hear what they said and i'm always amazed um you know with the work that was done there we we brought you on here today 
uh, really to, to talk about your innovative way of, of teaching a class. Could you just kind of tell us what's going on with, with how you run a class? Sure. So, uh, you know, about two years ago, um, I started looking at a, a bunch of websites like uh, trainugly.com, which is probably one of my favorites out there. Um, and then just really trying to figure out there there had to be, uh, in my opinion, a better way for me teaching that, you know, teaching Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu class. And that doesn't necessarily mean that this is the, the best way for everybody to teach. It's the best way for me to be able to teach, you know, a Jiu-Jitsu class. We don't um, – here I think the highest – there's – two other black belts in the, you know, South Carolina, South Dakota area, uh, besides myself, but they're completely on the other side of the state. So like five hours away. So the closest that we have is we have, uh, you know, a couple purple belts, uh, like three or four purple belts, blue belts and light belts. And that's about it. Um, so it's the, the wealth of knowledge isn't as vast as if you go to, you know, California, um, or New York or wherever, and so I wanted to figure out how to, you know, make the best out of a, a kind of a tough situation. And so I started looking into, you know, uh, the teaching theories and coaching theories, things like that. And one thing that really stuck with me uh, was the idea of like a flipped classroom. So the idea of a student kind of looking at what they're going to do uh, before they come in, they get kind of excited for that technique, and then they come in and do it. Um, and, you know, a lot of us already do that. You, they, we see something on YouTube and it's, you know, it's really exciting to you. And then when you get into the gym, hey, I want to try this or I want to try that. And that's the same idea except for you get to do that pretty much every day. And so we started doing it with that that way at first. And I, I think if it was the one thing that I would suggest to other schools is maybe try it this way too. Um, you know, we started filming once a week. We would film three or four techniques and people would, you know, watch those and everybody as a class uh, would do those techniques. And so they would have a frame of reference of what they were going to do that week or that month or whatever before they came in and did it. And then from there, it started breaking down into individualized lesson plans. And with that, um, that's when everybody kind of thought I started getting a little crazy, but it actually worked out really well because it's, for me, um, I need a way to be able to, you know, teach both to the, the person that's coming in for their first day that is scared um, and doesn't know what to expect from a class and somebody that's been there for four years that if I teach the same stuff that's done on the first day, they're going to be completely bored. Um, and so we started doing this individualized lesson plan. Um, with that, I started filming, uh, creating a curriculum really of every single class. So class one to, you know, we have a little over 250 classes now um, in the curriculum, and I keep building it from there depending on what I hear from, you know, myself, um, students, and, you know, just things online as well as far as what's the, you know, new and innovative uh, stuff that they might see out there in competition. So, and then from there, we started videotaping, you know, class one to, you know, 250, and they're very, uh, they're not uh, super edited videos. It's it's most of the time me with a either uh, you know a camera, you know pushing the on and off button, running there doing it and then doing that. So a lot of them don't have you know title text on it anything like that because I want to be able to get that information out there quick without it taking a, a ton of my time to edit it and things like that. Because those classes a lot of times are changing. Um, I think we're on our fifth um, version of the you know curriculum now. And so um, 
we started using Evernote to kind of uh, distribute those lesson plans, and so everybody can go onto their Evernote notebook. I can see it, and they can see it, and those are the only two people that can. And before they come in uh, for the class, they just watch a, usually a five-minute video of what they're going to be doing that day, um, and then they rip those techniques. Okay, uh, there's a lot going on here. Um, yeah, sorry, that was a really long <laughs> no, it, explanation but that that's that's the start of it anyway that's yeah we're, we're getting into it a little bit um so you you've you've filmed uh many many techniques and you've uh organized it into a uh like class number one class number 30 you know so each class you know when i'm on class 30 it's the same as the class 30 uh that the guy who's on the first day is going to take when he's you know on his 30th day Type of thing, exactly. and we're watching videos that you are teaching. Um, are, are okay. Um, I'm trying to figure out what to ask next because there's a lot going on in my head. Um, first off, I'm just confused by Evernote. I have Evernote on my phone. I use it. I have notebooks, and I use it for just different random things in my life. Um, so, but you're using it as a massive way to distribute uh, links to YouTube um, to certain like each one has their own file or each person has their own Evernote account and they have a file to your account. I don't even know how that works. So they, each person would have their own Evernote account. And <laughs> it's funny, I actually maxed out um, the number <laughs> of notebooks that Evernote will allow. And they, um, it, I sent us like a support ticket to them. And then they, they said that they, although like it was a really good idea and they liked the way that I'm doing it. It was net, the system wasn't designed uh, for this. And so they're trying to, change that and hopefully they do because right now i'm capped at 250 student notebooks and so i have to create another account to be able to have um you know more notebooks essentially for new students but uh, essentially you create a, a notebook through there and you share that notebook with that one student that student creates an account on evernote and so they can look at that technique on their phone on their computer whatever and then we can uh type in notes so maybe you know if they have if they you know, I'll put those four techniques on there and then a video link explaining it. Well, a couple of my students that, that use Evernote a ton, they will put and watch the video and then type out notes on that same lesson plan in their own words on how to do those four techniques. And it's kind of cool. I can, you know, look at that and say, okay, yep, they fully understand that, that situation. Um, and so, you know, we can, there's also a chat function on there. So if they have questions on their lesson plan, they can chat on there. Um, and it ends up, you know, working really well. So when I uh, come in the next day to, and you have to, for me, I have to manually update all the lesson plans, which everybody thinks would take a ton of time, but it takes me probably about 20 to 30 seconds, I would suppose, per student. So if I have, you know, a day where I have 55 or, you know, 60 students total between all the classes, it's going to take me, you know, 20 minutes maybe uh, to do you know, all the lesson plans. And the nice part though is, you know, I thought about automating it, but, um, this is, this is maybe dumb, but, uh, I, uh, I really enjoy kind of, as I go through just double checking to make for sure, okay, yep, this is the, the right path for this particular person. But sometimes you'll get nuances where, um, you know, maybe this person, I don't feel like they fully would grasp this concept yet. So I'm going to wait and stop the lesson plans for a little bit and then put in, um, a new program of say five or ten classes, and then devote it strictly to you know something else, some other skill acquisition, until I feel that they're they're comfortable with it, and then they go through the lesson plans again. So um, you know class 
while class 1 and class 30 would be the exact same for everybody, in between there's going to be all these little variables um, as far as, you know, notes and things like that where, you know, it's not a, a hard, you know, this is has to be your class number 25. Um, it's, you know, might be, okay, you're going to review these. Um, you took a test and you're going to review these four techniques that I didn't feel like you were you were quite, uh, quite uh, proficient in, and so we're going to redo those. You mentioned that you have, is it 250 classes or 250 students? Um, we have about 180 students right now. Okay. But there's previous students that um, I'm holding on to their notebooks in the hope that someday they'll come back because it seems like that's sometimes the case where guys will be gone for a year and then all of a sudden they, you know, they decide they miss it, they want to come back. And so I, I just like to have those just in case. Um, but, yeah, we have about 180 students right now, um, our class size. Um, now that we've done the new program, it goes anywhere from, I would say, on a low end, uh, on a night class, it would be 20 to a high end of, say, 42 or 43 people. So what does the – I walk into your class. What am I going to see? Sure. You're going to see, uh, you know, if you've done Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu before, which you obviously have, um, you're going to see probably, uh, you know, 40 people, 30 or 40 people doing individual techniques. Everything's going to look slightly different, and you're going to see me walking around kind of tweaking little bitty things uh, that they've done. Now, if somebody walks in and they, they don't know – uh, you know, a particular technique, say it's um, John Smith is going to be in town and they've emailed me and said, hey, I'm going to be in town. I'm a blue belt from this gym. The first thing that I would do is I would say, okay, uh, John Smith, this is the way we run class. Is there anything in particular that you want to work on while you're here for one day? And if they say yes, and then they give me an example, um, we'll fit that into a lesson plan. If they say nope, then, you know, what I'll do is try to find something um, that I feel would be blue belt level and then send it to them, and then send them a class link. And so they come in here, and they have uh, just as much, uh, you know, individual uh, attention, I guess, as any of the students. Um, the other crazy thing is you'll see two big, uh, I think they're 55-inch TVs on each end of the mats. We have, a, it's probably about a 30 by, I think, almost 60 uh, section of mats that we have. And uh, on one end is... Um, actually, it's probably a little bit bigger than that, but um, on one end, it's uh, a TV. On the other end, it's a TV, and it's a big Excel spreadsheet. As people walk in, I just grab their lesson plan real quick um, and throw it into an Excel spreadsheet. As you probably know, you know you have their diehards that are there pretty much every night, uh, but then there's always people that kind of pop in uh, from time to time. So I'll quick grab their lesson plan as they're warming up, um, and then we kind of start from there. Um, the other big difference is we'll do a five-minute um, drilling session uh, as people go, or I should say, I'll take it back a little bit. So we'll split the class into two, and so half the class is on one side, half the class is on the other side. Um, one class starts out by drilling techniques. The other class starts out by flow rolling, um, and we do that for five minutes, and then we switch. The uh, portion that was flow rolling to start is now going to drill for five minutes, their first technique. And then the other one, uh, they can either flow roll, they can continue drilling that technique, or um, they can actually grapple. And they can choose to grab a different partner if they want. It doesn't matter. So you're not going to be with the same person every single time. Um, and then we swap that back and forth uh, for four times. 
After that, um, we go through another five-minute round of going through all four techniques. And then the um, fifth round, they actually go through and grab, grab random people, and they'll say, okay, do your third technique. And so this will be a random person walking up to you saying, do your third technique, and you're supposed to recall uh, what that technique is, do it to them, and then you give them a number, and then they uh, do that as well. So, And I picked that up from a, a guy in Australia named Patrick, so I have to give him credit for that because it's, uh, at, you know, a, a challenge in active recall, and it's uh, it's kind of nice. It works really well. So the, the, the person, because a lot of times in class, you get paired up with somebody, and that's for the night, you're going to, you know, the techniques you're going to do are with that person. But there's a lot of people changing because we're not doing the same things anyway, right? Right. And, and, it, go ahead. So how does that, a, a lot of jujitsu or a lot of learning anything is getting feedback instantly from people. And the jujitsu is great at that because feedback is very quick. And if you're doing something wrong, it's going to, you're going to find that out pretty quick. So the, the idea that if today in class we all do arm bars, um, and even if we're switching people, at least everybody knows we're doing the same thing and, and they, and they get to try it and then they get to have it done on them and they get to try it again and, and that process. And so they get that feedback from another person. Uh, and so maybe by switching people pretty regularly, you, you make sure that they get feedback from, uh, people who are more skilled or at the same level and, and it's kind of changing is, is the, the feedback from the training partner is pretty important, uh, element of this. Yeah, for sure. And the, the nice part is, is that, you know, sometimes you get stuck, unfortunately with, you know, what some would call a bad training partner, maybe they're new or they just don't know, um, things like that. The, the nice part is that you, um, while you might have to drill with them for, you know, a round or two, you're still going to get to be able to do, you know, you flop that and next thing you know, uh, you're either flowing with somebody new or, um, you know, you're, you're drilling that technique with somebody new. And then I make sure that, um, all the higher belts there, um, too, are going with a lot of the new folks. And so, you know, say a guy's working a Kimura from guard, um, even if he had to go with a newer person while he was drilling, when we go through those final two stages, um, I want to make sure that he touches um, or touches base with like uh, at least you know two or three higher ranked guys just to make sure that his techniques um, are really good, you know, or that they're they should be done as they are. Especially, I'm trying to look around and and make sure that everything looks you know as good as it can as well. Um, but those guys are there to to help out as much as possible too. Are people watching the videos during class, or is that a, like do your homework, come to class, and have watched it today? Right. The so the my hope is is that they they watch it before class, and I would say probably um, you know fifty or sixty percent of the people, maybe slightly more, uh, do that. And it's if I update the all the lesson plans and everything, usually they're done by, you know, 9 or 10 a.m. in the morning. Um, and then so that gives them, if you wanted to, say, come into cl- class tonight, um, you could watch it, you know, at 1 p.m. You could watch it, you know, right before class, whatever. Uh, we do have six um, tablets at the gym that people can watch their lesson plans on, um, you know, five minutes before we start class and stuff like that. And you'll see some people do that. But, you know, if somebody says, okay, you know, I came in completely unprepared, um, I'll grab them real quick and walk them through the technique, um, 
that, that's kind of why we had to split it off into two groups is, you know, if I have 40 people and I have to explain it to everybody, um, I'm not going to be able to get through that. But um, a class uh, or a group of 20, I can kind of at least uh, walk around and help them through um, each particular uh, technique of theirs and help answer any questions, even if they didn't go through the, uh, the video. And at least hopefully they would look at the video maybe as a review and, and be able to help right. remember some things. Yep, exactly. And the, um, so if they, my, my hope is with, you know, with learning, uh, theory and kind of coaching theory, if, if they can watch it beforehand, um, have some idea of it. And I, I don't want them to actually, this, this sounds dumb, but I don't actually want them to have it down 100% by the time they come in. I want them to come in and be familiar with the technique, uh, but then be able to do the technique and kind of figure things out as they start to go through. Um, so there should be some loss of, of information there initially. So that way when they actually do the technique, it sticks that much better. Um, it's something that, uh, you know, information that was lost essentially. Oh, that, that's, that's interesting in itself. I've got, uh, a two part question for you, Bruce. Sure. Um, as a instructor, what is the the biggest advantage of this type of teaching this way? And then maybe as a student, what is the biggest advantage of learning this way? Um, the the biggest advantage for me as an instructor, um, and really as a gym owner, the nicest thing that I can do is somebody comes in the first day of of class and they. All the people that have been there before have been through that class. Number one, they know exactly what's expected of that first class. Um, chances are, if you've talked to me through email or you've called me, I've sent you the lesson plan, so you have this going forward. And then you sign up, and you can you can say, okay, here's class, you know, one through two hundred, and it, it makes that student that much more likely to sign up for your you know your program uh, and continue with it if they feel like they have you know a continual. Uh, progression that they can see. It's not, uh, and not saying that other programs are, but um, sometimes students will look at other uh, teaching ways and say, okay, this is kind of haphazard. Um, you know, if maybe they have a cyclical cycle, like, you know, they're doing the same thing every month, that's better. But I, I've been to other gyms where they'll go and, and it doesn't seem like there's any sort of format. It's just what the instructor wants to teach that particular day. Um, not saying, again, that that's bad. It's just, uh, coming from uh, a person when they first come in you know if you were to have a you know a workout regimen that said okay there's no idea what you're going to be doing for a workout or i said this is what you're going to be doing for the next year of your life um, i think pretty much every time somebody's going to buy you know that one that's completely regimented said okay you're going to do this uh, for the most part anyways uh, maybe some people wouldn't just because they they don't like that style but um uh, for my, you know, financial backing for my as a uh, a gym owner as and as an instructor, it, it's really nice. Um, on the other end, I'm not teaching the same thing every time, so I don't get nearly, not to say bored, uh, but it's it's very invigorating for me. Where one person I'm showing them, you know, how to do a hip escape into, you know, uh, from side control getting into guard. I'm over here. Next thing I'm doing, you know, reverse daily heva into kiss of the dragon and taking it back and things like that. So it's really fun for me. Um, as a student, I think the biggest thing is um, really from white to blue belt. It's skill acquisition of the basics, um, and then uh, from a blue belt on, really, 
Um, I let the students kind of, they, they have, we have a curriculum that they can follow, but if they want to take that for a while, we have, uh, you know, certain guys at the gym, um, right now, like a gentleman by the name of Robel, um, he's a 4-0 MMA fighter, uh, as an amateur, but he really loves Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, he's also a D1 wrestler, um, and he's, you know, crazy into Gary Tonin and Eddie Cummings and the leg lock world and everything like that. So, you know, the, this kind of style allows him to take, you know, three, four uh, weeks and or a month or whatever and say, okay, I'm going to attribute my training for the next month to, you know, leg locks. And we help formulate a lesson plan. So um, it's not he can come in and do whatever he wants to do. It's, you know, him and I sit down for 10 minutes. We build together uh, a curriculum of what he's going to do, and this is what's set up, and that's what he's doing going forward. And it's if uh, if your white to blue belt would be, you know, your high school and maybe college, this would be, uh, you know, like your master's program. And so you're kind of picking and choosing um, what you're going to be uh, doing for the most part while still having uh, a big path on what you could use to uh, come in and do class. You mentioned uh, the, the first class is the same for everybody, and that's – I can't remember my first class, but I know that I, – I, I at least think I know that it wasn't – here's what guard is. Here's what mount is. Here's why they're different. You know, like it wasn't – it's probably something that I wasn't quite ready for. And, and you just – I go from one class I'm not ready for to another one that is a little confusing. And then as time goes on, uh, things kind of get pieced together, and you figure things out. That's the way most of us have learned to do. But um, – What's what's in class number one? So when uh, when somebody you I'm interested in jiu-jitsu, you know they send you that email. You send them here's the link to class number one. Here's what it'd be like. What do, what do they see in that first class? Sure, class number one is uh, hip escape from side control. Get into the guard. The second uh, one would be hip escape. Get up to your knees and then uh, take them down into side control. Arm bar and triangle from guard. So arm bar from uh, guard and triangle from guard. Class number two. Um, would be relatively the same. They're doing the same hip scape in a guard, hip scape into um, the knees, and then a takedown. Uh, the third technique would be hip scape from side control, get in a guard, and do an arm bar. Uh, fourth would be hip scape, get in a guard, do a triangle. Uh, the 10th class, then, uh, which it, we have kind of three different versions of each class. So it's not like they're doing a new thing every single class. It's It's revisited. But the second and third time they go through it, they're adding something to it. So, like in the in, in the second class, they're adding a hip escape, getting into guard, and then doing an arm bar. It's just not the arm bar from guard. Um, whereas, you know, maybe in your class thirty, you're starting to learn, uh, or class twenty, I'll say, starting to learn, uh, you know, say a baseball slide pass, and then you're learning um, either a collar choke from side control or dars, things like that. So, your your first time running through it would be only the technique, and that's it. Your second time would be usually something in front of it. Uh, so say, you know, if you're doing a baseball choke from side control, maybe you're going to do a baseball slide pass into side control, and then you're going to do a baseball choke from there. Your third time through would usually be something after it. So, you know, maybe you're doing a baseball choke into, uh, or excuse me, a, a baseball slide pass into a baseball choke, and then that fails and doing something off of there. Um, and then the fourth time that you'd be going through it essentially is a test. So about every 20 classes, um, what we do is we'll say, okay, here are just the techniques that you've done um, over these past 20 classes. Um, 
and there's a, a camera there. I start recording, and they go with somebody um, off while everybody else is training. Uh, they go off, and uh, I have them show me those techniques um, in front of a video and say, okay, here's the names of them. And th- this is a pop quiz usually, by the way, so they're not, um, you know, they haven't been told that they're going to get a test. I say, okay, show me these techniques, um, and they do those in front of a camera. Um, and then the next day, I usually go through it and say, okay, those look good, or those, um, you know, these particular techniques need work. And so they'll review those techniques that needed work until, uh, for two classes or until they, I feel like they're good. Um, and then we start moving on to the curriculum again. I, I'm still formulating more questions in my head as you, as you explain things. Are, um, are you there most nights at class or, I mean, like, it seems like yeah. a lot of, like there'd be an opportunity for you to, to miss a whole week and really, you know, other than updating the files, people would basically be uh, watching the videos, training with each other, and they'd be missing the critique by you. But if you, you miss a day or two, it doesn't sound like it's, you know, that they're learning from the next belt level, you know, the next person in line to teach. They're still learning the same basic way. Is that right? Right. Um, I'm, I try to be there as much as possible, I would say. It would be very rare that I'm gone. Uh, about the only time that I'm gone is, you know, if we have somebody that's getting ready for a fight and they, you know, I'm gone on a Friday night or okay. if the fight's on a Friday, it would be, you know, maybe I'm gone Thursday night for weigh-ins, things like that. But pretty much other than that, I'm I'm always there. Um, the other weird things, if I'm gone for some odd reason, um, I'll also <laughs> – I'm a big fan of technology for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. We have a couple cameras that are set up there. Um, while we are gone for – I was gone for – four or five days for the uh, Thai Boxing Association championships, like the national championships, um, we would run a class, and I would watch via webcam, and we actually do a lot of the seminars this way too. And then just instead of each student would spend um, a certain amount of time, they would all go in a big circle. They would spend a certain amount of time in front of the camera so I could just see them um, and do the technique uh, until you know I was happy with them and then have them switch. So um, even when I'm gone, I'm still trying to... You know, <laughs> Put in as much um, personal input as I could. I can see. Um, it sounds like you. You know, you're there. You're involved with everybody. But it sounds like a, an instructor. There'd be like maybe the possibility for somebody to get a little bit like complacent with it. And you know, I, I did the hard work. I filmed all the videos. They're in there training them, and I'm going to kind of just sit on my phone all day and and not pay attention and that sort of thing, or maybe not even show up. And 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 I think that that is that would be doing people a disservice. But um, yeah, for sure. So is there a – if I make it to class 100 or class 150 or something like that, is that like when you get a stripe or a belt or how do, how do you do the, the do that system? Sure. there's It's about every 25 classes and we'll do – you know, when we uh, kind of look at giving, you know, people stripes or, or whatever. So, um, you know, when I said that, they'll do those um, tests about every 20 classes. That kind of gives me – uh, an idea of when I should start looking at testing, but that by no means, or not testing, I should say, but giving people stripes, but that by no means means that they're going to get a stripe. Even if they do phenomenally well on that, uh, you know, test, um, maybe that we're still going to wait uh, to give them a stripe just because, you know, maybe they're not uh, learning as much, or maybe their attitude to the gym is, is not as good as I would like, things like that. Um, so it's, uh, it's not uh, a hard, fast rule of, okay, this person's got to, you know, class number 25, you get a stripe. Um, it's it's definitely a time for me to start looking at that situation, but not a time that I'm going to do it uh, every single time. I don't think I've ever given anybody a stripe after 
their test. Uh, it's always been shortly after or, or in some cases a long time after, depending on, like I said, their, their ability and then their attitude in class. There's some there's some things that aren't as uh, tangible, maybe that uh, that you're looking for. Um, not right. just they did the tech class number X correctly and and uh, ready for that next belt or stripe. Right. You, you give so this you have enough classes to get you all the way from white belt to blue belt, and then all the way up towards the end or the end of blue belt kind of thing. Um, yeah, I mean it would like so we're still still building it pretty. Uh, pretty steadily, but I, I would say um, the you know the class 100 to 125 is pretty much white to blue, um, and then after that, you know, those other 125 classes are um, really broken down into, uh, and I should say, like the white to blue belt is very. It, it, if you just sat it down and looked at it, it would seem very scattered, um, but it, it's because we've been through you know five versions of the curriculum now and you know decided okay we can't put everything when they're first starting i don't feel like we can put everything into systems because if we go through you know systems for two weeks of you know back defenses and things like this by the time you know three or four uh, sessions have gone through or i should say like three or four uh, sections have gone through then there's still a lot that they haven't learned and then you know you've been 20 or 30 classes in and uh, you still haven't learned maybe you know an attack from back or, or something like that where there's a big gaping hole in your uh, in your game. Uh, but when we get to blue belt, everything turns into systems. So maybe you're working on you know reverse daily eva stuff for uh, three weeks or, or whatever, and so those are more sectioned into that. And so we'll get a lot of uh, people that well uh, go back into you know those techniques as well, and then uh, past. Section 250, we also have a bunch of what we call rewinds. So we'll take uh, two techniques from um, blue belt and above curriculum and two techniques from the white belt curriculum, put those together, um, and then we have uh, people do those. And so we don't have any videos for those um, just because, I mean, they've already been videotaped. Um, It's just off on different ones, Uh, but it gives those folks that are, you know, blue or purple uh, belt, time to go back to you know original techniques so maybe uh one day you're doing you know an arm bar and a triangle and then you're also doing uh, you know some uh crazy sweep or you know barren bullet to the back or whatever most people probably think this way is is pretty crazy so like i said i've haven't had too many people take me up on on offering to help design one for themselves i've had a couple people that have said um you know, why don't you, you know, sell this as kind of like a prepackaged program to give out to other people? And I really think that that's, it has to be developed on an instructor by instructor basis. I mean, my names for things are going to be uh, completely different from, uh, you know, what other people might have as far as the uh, nomenclature of, of the techniques or the names of te- techniques. Um, and then on the, the other side of it, I, th- I think it just adds a little bit more personal touch of you know in the videos your instructor is is the one showing them. yeah so um i'm thinking just from the business side of things it seems it's probably working well for you because um i think one of the hardest things to do is get somebody to actually you know they make the call they send you the email something happens 
and then that's from you say, okay, yeah, we're training tonight at six o'clock. You know, show up and 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 wear this, and here's what to expect. And you and you're gonna say, here's our class. Right. And so you've you've had both. Um, you've had the email of here's what you're gonna do today, and you've had the email of you know, hey, come on in and 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 wear like some loose cleaning, fitting clothes, or I'll have a gi for you to, to to wear for the day or whatever. And which one is more likely to get somebody? To actually show up that day because usually, from my experience, they don't. You know, I've never actually owned a gym myself, but usually people are inter- they show interest and they make that phone call even, and then like that that hour, you know, leading the class, they kind of chicken out or they just change their mind or something else, you know, pops up in their head. But to actually get them to come to class number one is is quite the challenge. It seems like to me. Um, does this help that quite a bit? I think it's helped a lot. I mean, it's that's still a huge thing. I would say. And I can't remember which uh, person said it, but it, it's kind of like a rule of seven, if you will. Like seven people inquire, and one person actually shows up. Uh, you know, and it's, uh, it's that kind of seems to be. It's better now, I think, as far as the people that inquire. I would say it's you know probably one out of every two or three um, don't show up. Um, but it's it, like I said, it's it's helped out a lot in the fact that they have an idea of what's expected of them. I think sometimes people uh, come into a situation and they think, you know, it's going to, uh, they're going to get killed or, you know, things are going to be really, really tough. And it's, um, I think once they see some of the techniques that they're going to be doing that day and at least get familiarized a little bit with what the gym looks like as well, uh, that helps out a lot. There's, so this is, uh, we're looking at individualized learning of jiu-jitsu um, based quite a bit on technology. Uh, if you think about it, you know, a lot of schools have a beginner's class, intermediate class, advanced competition class, different goals and things towards the class, and you uh, will go to which one uh, fits you. And this is this is broken down into a smaller level than that. If somebody wants to, like, try this idea out without recording, you know, 250 different classes. Um, it seems like to me, I would make like your first 10 classes. And that way I can still have that huge advantage of sending out that email. Here's what class number one's going to be like. And then when they get there, maybe it's not the best thing to have them kind of off to the side working their 10 classes away from the group. Maybe that's a, maybe that's a terrible idea, but why the whole class does their usual thing. But like, at least that the, the technology hurdle, I'm going to make, you know, two classes a few times this week and a few more times next week, and I'll have 10 classes to for them to at least have their a little tiny set together. Um, how does that sound to you as like an idea to just try this as a as a as a sample or just to see if it if it works for you? Yeah the the closest person that I've uh, got is um, Patrick out of um, and his last name is uh, T A U. Um, so I apologize. I, f- I feel like I've only, you know, talked to him via, you know, Skype and stuff like that. So I feel like I'm going to murder his last name. Um, but he, the, he's probably the closest that I've seen somebody else use it. Uh, him and I have been going back and forth and he uses it during his, um, lunch classes, which are a lot smaller. And my lunch classes are smaller too. I mean, they're going to be usually 10 to 12 people instead of, you know, 30 or 40. And he'll do this every once in a while. And his one that he's using is he'll take and put you know four or five um, lessons up on a up on a board and say okay uh, which one haven't you done yet you know and so that's his his changes there might be you know four or five lessons up on a board 
and the person says, well, I've done lesson one and lesson two. Um, I haven't done lesson three yet, so that's the one that I'm going to do today. Um, and so then he'll come in and uh, work with them on their particular lesson three. Um, so that's, like I said, that's probably the, I would feel like the next logical step um, going that way or doing the same way that I did in the beginning um, of just videotaping all the techniques that you're going to do for that particular day, but it doesn't really um, fix the, the individualized uh, portion of it. So, so I think we'll see uh, more people try to do something similar to this in the future and, and see, you know, like as more people try it, we'll, we'll get more um, ways of teaching out there and using technology. I think that um, clearly it, it's going to happen. I mean, as technology makes its way through different parts of our lives, it, it, clearly the, the idea that showing up and, and just having a person just teach, you know, the moves to the whole class in a certain percent of the Jiu-Jitsu population, that's going to make, we're going to change away from that and, and they're going to have uh, more individualized classes and, and that sort of thing. And I do, I like, okay, so when you hit purple belt, um, they're kind of given a lot of freedom to individualize right. their, their game and to personalize that. Is, honestly, if they, if they don't, they're going to be like, and you, you see this happen a lot at blue belt and at purple belt, you know, people drop off. Um, and, I don't know if, if some of it's because, um, you know, they're, they feel like they've accomplished something and they can kind of move on from the sport or if it's the fact that they start getting bored with some of the, uh, you know, lesson plans that they've been through a lot. And, and again, not saying that any of that's bad. I think uh, I'm very, very paramount to me in the fact that, um, you know, the basics and every time you do something, you can learn something from it. Um, but just still being able to mix in, some of your own particular interests um, with basics that you're doing. I mean, if you came to me as a, as a student and said, hey, I have these you know, four or five techniques that I really like, uh, I feel like for me it's the instructor to you know, watch those, make sure that those are actually good techniques um, and be more of a, rather than you know, a hard and fast coach, be a guide and say, okay, you know, I'm going to allot you this time to be able to work on these. I think they can be really beneficial to your game. And then when you're done with them, you're going to kind of be the resident expert on these particular techniques. And then, you know, I need you to show these to some of the other students maybe and get a little bit better through that. Um, and so with that, not only are they getting to do their own particular um, style and, and stay around because of that, but they start to develop these, you know, kind of leadership roles and, and become an expert in that particular field. And, I mean, I think everybody kind of enjoys at some point, even if they don't want to admit it, being an expert in a field um, and being able to essentially show off to people. Yeah, and, and that seems to happen around that pro belt level. I mean, I've got – I'll train with somebody and they'll ask me, how, how, do, how do you stop that, that particular pass that I just did? Usually I'll point them to somebody else who actually stops my guard pass and say, talk to that person. And a lot of times that is purple belt, brown belt, you know, they don't have to be a black belt to, to have that information and, and be that expert at that particular thing. And uh, I, I just think like that purple belt level, it seems like the time to kind of individualize your game and to and to go into more of a, a deep study of a certain aspects of it and, and get that to pay off. Um, and so you're still allowing for that, and I think that's a it's a great thing. You're not, you know, class number one thousand, you know, is is set up, and 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 that person is really interested in one thing. And I think that uh, one of the big things that drives learning is having an interest in something. 
Right. You know, we can all think back to being bored out of your mind at a certain you know school class because because it wasn't for you, and then you're like a genius in the other class because it's something you're interested in. So right. by allowing them that freedom of being studying something that they're interested in, I think that also kind of accelerates and, and makes their learning a little bit better as well. Yeah, and sometimes we'll do that. I mean, somebody comes to me and they say, okay, you know, I kind of feel like I have a plateau and I'm just, you know, not really feeling it. By all means, take, you know, a few weeks and just do completely crazy fun techniques that can get your mind going again. And, you know, with that kind of spurring um, of, of joy out of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu again and having crazy techniques, boom, all of a sudden everything, every aspect of your game starts getting a little bit better because you have that uh, renewed sense of, of excitement for, for the sport. Um, so I think it helps a lot. So uh, with everything, there's good and bad. What are some of the disadvantages that you could think of as this style of, of or format of a class? Sure. Um, when you first, as an instructor, when you first start it, it's gonna like if if somebody were to do it, it's gonna feel like madness. I mean, you really need to um, honestly try to um, facilitate everything as much as you can. Once you've done it for you know a month or two, it's gonna become a lot easier. But when I first started it, it was absolutely you know uh, absolutely crazy because um, it's um, it just didn't seemed like it was going to make sense and people weren't really on board uh not necessarily on board with it but just didn't know you know okay i forgot to watch the videos i i didn't do this or i didn't do that or i don't know what these you know are um and so everybody was at a, a real heavy uh or real point low point of a learning curve and so that was probably um the the biggest thing um that happened in the beginning um past that I know that I probably have lost um, a few students, less than I probably would have, but I've lost a few students just in the fact that they, um, you know, came from another school and they felt like, you know, I've, I've done it another way or I've done it the traditional way for so long that it's really hard for them to, you know, pick up on those particular skills. Um, the other thing I feel like is um, with this particular program, it's not really designed for um, students that just kind of want to um, put forth a half-hearted effort. Um, if they don't watch the videos, they don't do all the you know other work, which is which is fine. Um, they, they're just not going to see as much of a benefit as if I were to kind of lay out an instruction every single time and then have them rep the techniques and, and things like that. It's really a self-paced course more than you know me. Uh, coaching them if you will so i it i turned the role from being a, a coach almost to like a facilitator of of information if that makes sense rather than saying okay you know do this or do that and so i think i've probably lost a couple of people that way um just because they've come from other gyms and that's what they're used to and you know the folks that are not they just essentially want to go there as um you know kind of a not not even as a hobby because they, hobbies can by by all means still do it, uh, but people that are more interested in the social aspect of um, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and don't really care about Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Yeah, and there is a big social aspect. I mean, I, I love Jiu Jitsu, but sometimes I go and it's like I'm hanging out with my friends for uh, for quite you know for the two hours I'm there, and, and that's sometimes I get more out of that you know, on, on some particular days than I do on a 
out of the training aspect because maybe I'm a little bored or maybe I just need, you know, I've been working on podcasts too long one day and I need to go out and get out of the house and talk to some people. And, that, and that's a good thing too. But um, Not to say that they, they can't get it. You know, students don't get that social aspect. I, all I'm trying to say is, like, the for this system to work for a particular student, they they have to be somewhat of a self reliant learner. Um, okay. And so, if they're they're not, then then that's probably where uh, that student, particular student, is going to struggle. That makes sense because you do um, expect, or at least want them to see the, the the videos before they show up that day. If let's say, Bruce, I'm I'm busted up today. I've got my elbows hurting me, and I'm going to miss. Miss all week. Um, am I? It, what am I going to do at home? Am I going to watch the same? You know, if I'm on class twenty, am I going to watch that class twenty uh, several times today when I'm bored? Or am I going to should I go back and watch some old classes? Or how do you recommend I utilize this time? Or should I go and another way to be? Let's say class twenty is uh, guillotine from guard. Should I watch other videos on the internet about guillotine from guard? Or you know, what would be some opportunities I could make out of this injury I have? Yeah, for sure. The, the nice thing about that is is that. You know, if you do get injured, or the, the program that we've run, if you do get injured, um, you know you're not missing out on a full week of class. To where you, you know you come back and somebody says, "Hey, you know, so we were working on this, you know, half guard pass last week," and you know you have no recollection of that because you weren't there because you were hurt. Um, you know, our, the program that we do picks up right where you left off once you come back. Um, but yeah, I would suggest people going back, um, watching some of the previous videos. Um, I don't want to go have them go forward in the curriculum until I've seen it. Um, but we do also on, on every, uh, video on every, uh, lesson plan, there's also uh, a bunch of accompanying videos. So maybe if we're doing arm bar that day, um, you know, I show the technique of an arm bar, um, along with that video, maybe there's a, you know, BJJ scout breakdown of somebody that really executes, you know, an arm bar really well, or, um, you know, something like that. So pretty much every lesson plan is going to have, uh, those additional videos as well. Oh, that's cool. I, you know, it sounds like my, I first pictured, uh, like an Evernote folder that said class 30 and then has four links to videos. But now I'm putting my, my input on what I've learned and how I want to remember these techniques. And there's also other videos or other things, resources in this folder that could further expand my knowledge and my understanding of that. So, and then the other, a lot, uh, sorry, we do so much crazy stuff. (laughs) Um, so the other thing is that I don't, and this is going to sound bad as well, is that I don't coach, uh, during rolling sessions. So if, if two guys are rolling, um, you'll see most other gyms, they'll say, okay, yeah, bridge, 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 go, go, go. And like, and that's the way I taught for the first, you know, uh, few years as well. And there's nothing wrong with that. The thing that we change is we videotape, um, all the classes and then usually we'll have one or two mats uh, that we'll have and so um, at least um, you know once or twice a month well I should say this you can pretty much we have a database that you can look and you can uh, select your name and you can see pretty much all uh, the matches that you've had on that particular mat Um, and then a lot of times what I'll do is go through those um, matches and say okay I see every time you go for you know, an arm bar, this is failing or whatever. So we'll, we'll stop and I'll put, um, so your lesson, maybe you're on lesson 30. I'll stop lesson 30 and I'll say video notes, number one. And then I'll, uh, send basically a video breakdown of, um, me 
showing them footage of themselves and stopping the footage and say, okay, see the arm bar here, your, you know, leg placement's wrong, or your hand placement's wrong, things like that. Um, and then, so they're going to work on those, you know, four, five, eight, whatever, how many um, mistakes I feel like they made um, until those are, are kind of shored up and then they can continue on the curriculum. So a lot of those are going to be uh, previous roles and things like that. So um, that's another thing that I don't know any other gym really that does is we have um, a camera set up into where um, you can log on to a database and say, okay, um, I've tagged, or we have somebody at the gym tag uh, names of every student. So you can, you know, click your name and, you know, over the past month, maybe there's 20 or 30 roles that you have in there and you can watch yourself rolling and, you know, kind of pick out problem areas. That's interesting. It's, it's amazing to me to to watch even myself roll and see opportunities missed or maybe uh, like something surprised me. And it, as I watch it, it clearly it's not a surprise. Like they're, they're setting it up, and and I just didn't. That third person perspective is, uh, sometimes could be a, a good learning tool. Right. It's crazy to see how much you know difference are it is from initially when you start doing it from how you feel like you did to how you actually did when you watch yeah. it. And, and it like, I, it's not very often that I've, I've seen it go the other way where you're like, Oh man, I'm actually way better than I thought. Usually it's, it's the, the other way. And that, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, people can, you know, they can't figure out why they keep getting past and things like that. You know, if, if I can go back and I can watch footage of myself 12 times get past, I can probably, even if I haven't, you know, um, if I don't have an, you know, say me as a, a white belt or whatever, uh, I don't have an answer for it or somebody hasn't told me, I can start to formulate what I would probably do to fix that because now I see the big, uh, big picture and a big gaping hole in my, in my game. Cool. It does, it sounds like you're kind of pushing the limits of what Evernote and you you know, you got lots of stuff on YouTube. Is there anything that, that Evernote can't do that you would like it to do besides have more the people more notebooks on there um no that's that's about it you know I'm, honestly when i put this out there a lot of people said hey um you know they there should be ways to automate this stuff that would maybe be the one thing is you know automating but at the same time like i said i want to be able to kind of personally look at, at each student for a few seconds and say okay yeah this is good or bad and i know that even if i did automate it um you know i could look back at that so Maybe that would be uh, the one thing that I would want to change is just for me to be able to click on the, you know, 30 students that went into class that day and hit, uh, you know, add lesson plan. But I, like you said, I, maybe that would force me to, or maybe that forces me to not be, uh, or be more active in my, my students' uh, learning rather than me just doing it and then not knowing what that particular person has coming up. I w- wonder, and I don't think there is with Evernote, but like a way you could uh, look back and say, hey, more people had to retake class 57 than any other class. And then, uh, well, what's wrong with class 57? And then kind of re-engineer that. Or maybe it's just your own intuition as as everybody no. does certain classes. Yeah, for sure. What we have is is the, the test. Um, and so when people do the test, I will um, – I, I pay very close attention to, okay, what – you know, is there um, – particular techniques that everybody no matter you know skills abilities anything like that that are that aren't getting it so then we've that's what we'll end up refilming a lot of those um technique videos for is you know okay i've tested seven people um 
test number seven or whatever, maybe it comes up in class like 60. And all these people are missing uh, elevator sweep or maybe they're missing whatever particular thing. Uh, that to me tells me as an instructor that that isn't getting uh, getting through or, you know, there's a learning issue there. Um, and so that's something that I have to fix as an instructor, not that they have to fix as a student. So um, that for me is, is a big um, thing. And we've done that before too where it wasn't that long ago that one of my students that's been through like 40 classes um, said, hey, when did we learn the defense to, you know, this particular thing? And I can't remember what it was. And I thought about it. I'm like, wow, that's actually not in the curriculum. So, <laughs> like, boom, we put it in there right away. There was just a couple submissions that, um, and for the life of me, I can't think of them right now. But, it, uh, you know, that we we had, you know, the, the offensive portion of it. We didn't have the defensive portion of it. So I kind of feel like the curriculum is going to be ever-evolving. Um, and so that's why. I don't want to take a, a ton of time on the videos because then I'm just going to be redoing them all the time, yeah. taking a lot of time on those. It's a it's a living project that will continue to change and and hopefully get better. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's the sport changes so fast now, uh, especially on the competition level. That if we if we don't, I think in a matter of two or three years, a lot of the higher level stuff would almost I don't want to say be outdated, but uh, wouldn't be giving the, the student the best possible situation that they could have. I, there's also, it seems like another aspect of this learning process is that let's say I go, I'm going to class tonight and, um, let's say we're going to do some quirky arm bar from somewhere or so, something that doesn't really pique my interest after tonight. And maybe we'll do it for the week after that period of time. I'm done with it, but your students, you're going to hold them accountable to know this at a future date. And I think that that's an interesting, like, makes them pay attention a little bit more maybe. Or, you know, I'm going to – I can't just forget this, you know, after I'm done with this class. I'm going to have to show this and demonstrate it again in the future. And I think that that's um, maybe a, like a, another small motivation to pay attention and to try to remember things and make some more effort. Right. The, yeah, and there's – I mean it's – and I tell them this too. When they take the test, there's – you know, it's a no-stakes test. So there's there's nothing – absolutely nothing right on it. We've had – I would say if there's 20 techniques on the video, most people end up having, you know, three or four that uh, maybe are completely wrong or I just want them to work on. But three or four usually out of those, which is – I feel like pretty good. Uh, but I've had people completely – absolutely bomb the test missed almost every single one and it's no problem we go back through the curriculum again they start it over and they do it um, all over again so but the one thing that i do um I, like you were saying you know maybe this this crazy sweep or whatever um they don't particularly like or they're not going to use and, and I, I don't care if they plan to implement it into their own game i want them to be able to at least be proficient enough in it to help a new person that maybe that is going to be their particular technique um, because they at some point are going to be uh, put together with somebody um, and they're going to be learning that technique and I want them to be able to be there to, to help them and, and kind of guide them through that particular thing. Yeah. Um, I, will, I will say the other nice thing about this and maybe some people will argue one way and argue the other way, but the, the nice thing that I like is when um, later on when you guys are actually grappling or when people are grappling, um, my four techniques are completely different from the other person's four techniques, you know, and so there's a good chance that everybody's going to be doing a different class in there. And so when I'm working on my particular four techniques live, you know, say I'm doing a scissor sweep or, or whatever, um, I get a 
what I would believe as a more realistic idea of if I can hit that sweep or not or if I'm doing that sweep right compared to, you know, when somebody in a class, everybody's doing the scissor sweep, I get to that position, everybody's like, oh, crap, I know what's going to happen <laughs> tonight. I'm going to smash, right? And so then I don't believe in that technique as much um, because I tried it. Everybody else just tried it, and it got smashed, right? And so for, for me, that's an unrealistic situation compared to, you know, any other day. Um, and, and maybe, like, you can argue that, you know, that smashing helps you figure it out more, but I, I would venture to say that most people will give up on that technique um, before they actually take time to actually try to figure it out more um, than if they were to actually hit it live and then kind of fix it up from there. Yeah, I, I agree. That's a great perspective of things because your your rolling partner doesn't really know exactly what you're trying to do. Uh, it gives you a little bit of an advantage to pull it off. And for me, especially in the newer days, if I could pull off a technique I learned that night or or halfway pull off that technique, I would give it a lot more attention and and really respect that technique and really want to do more of that than if I just, you know, I couldn't even get it close because they saw it coming a mile away. We just did this. I think that's a, yeah. that's a good point that you bring up. And I, and I appreciate um, you sharing this with us and in your innovative ideas with with teaching and and I know that that there's other people doing things not quite like this I would imagine but um, you know teaching techniques change over time and uh, you know what do you think that the you said that no one else has really been able to adopt this model what's the what's the biggest hurdle is it the videos it's the 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 technology thing or the cost of it or what what are some of the hurdles that somebody would have to look at and overcome to, to get this type of a system started? Sure. I think the probably the biggest thing is just that, you know, that's the way that it's been taught by every, you know, other instructor, I think. And so a lot of people are, are used to that. Um, and then originally, you know, if you look at it, it seems like a, an absolute ton of work. And I'm not going to say that it's not. I mean, it's, it's a lot of work. But uh, I, I think that's probably the the biggest two, you know, factors, people see all the videotapes and, and stuff like that. And, you know, that being uh, a struggle really. And, you know, okay, this is the way that my instructor has done it. You know, I've, I've spoken with my, um, instructor Comprito and I, I think he thinks that I'm crazy the way that I teach that. Way. You know, that's, <laughs> that's not something that he's going to do. And I mean, obviously he's been a world champion two times an absolute world champion two times and, you know, Brass and, and Atos and things like that. The guys that he came from, they obviously know what they're doing and it's um, worked for them. So why would they change it? And they, I don't feel like they should. Those guys are um, phenomenal instructors. I, I feel like for me, I, I can't offer that same level of um, vast knowledge and, and way of coaching. So I'm, I'm trying to change it to, to fit my, my strengths best, I guess. Um, so that would be the biggest thing. I think there's not a lot of, for me, there's not a lot of cost, I don't think, involved. Um, it's more just the, the time commitment of doing the videos and things like that that, that kind of shy people away. And just, uh, you know, from the stuff that I've got online on Reddit and other other places, they a lot of people just don't feel like that they would learn best to, in that way. And it's really hard to, to show it um, if they don't try it. I mean, most, like I said, most people, students that we have here um, – absolutely love it our gym went from we live in a you know small town of 150,000 people or a small city i should say um having you know 
40, 50 students and, you know, classes of eight, you know, to classes of, like I said, there's some nights where we have 40 plus people and it's in a, you know, small town in, in, or a small city in, in South Dakota. Um, and now we have like 180 students and, and that's, um, probably growing from there. So, um, I think that's probably the, the, the things that keep people away. Teaching this individualized class structure, uh, you didn't grow up in this, and neither did I. Um, so, what did, what advice would you have for the other, the vast majority of jiu-jitsu practitioners who are going to, you know, their first class and they're seeing, uh, you know, something that really doesn't fit a first class just because it's, you know, it's bad luck. They show up on a day that it's not uh, a good day to to learn those original techniques or those fundamental techniques, or um, or somebody who maybe not as focused at, at what they're learning today because it doesn't fit what they're interested in. Um, I guess I'm kind of long-winded here on this question, but what advice would you have for somebody in a normal class to get the most out of that for their own development? I see how you are. Now you're calling other people's normal classes. So <laughs> must be abnormal. Gotcha. Exceptional. No, normal no. isn't a... <laughs> <laughs> no, I understand. Um, the, well... Um, Try to be, for me, like I said before, try to be a self-reliant learner, I think. Okay. And before it was, you know, when UF, uh, YouTube started coming out, um, it, a lot of the instructors said, okay, don't, you know, don't look on YouTube. That's terrible stuff. Um, you, you shouldn't do that at all because it's all people in their backyard showing how to do Kimura completely wrong, and, and they were right. Um, but now you can sit down and, and watch it on YouTube or watch, you know, DVDs of the best guys in the world um, teaching you things. That being said, um, I think you have to be really responsible with the way that you ingest that information in and not try to learn everything all at once. Um, and like I said, as much as you can be, you know, like I said, a self-reliant learner, just trying to say, okay, I'm going to use my instructor as a, as a resource and try to get as much knowledge from him as possible, but I'm also going to go ahead and start looking at some of these other uh, avenues that they have out there, you know, reading magazines, looking at books, listening to podcasts, things like that. Um, I think it's going to help out a ton. I uh, started doing, I'm almost done with it, but it's a, a Udemy course online, and it, it'll probably end up being free. If it's not free, it's going to be probably, you know, 4 or $5. Um, and it's, I think I have about 10 hours of, me just sitting in front of a camera um, explaining some of the basics um, in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Not, I shouldn't say the basics is in techniques. There's absolutely no techniques in this video or in those videos. It's all um, you know, trying to get the most out of your Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu experience. Um, and this is for you know people that would be either you know with our program or not with our program, and just you know how little tricks on how to make themselves better like you know watching uh videotaping themselves and watching that and how to analyze that or you know trying to build a game plan um trying to deal with the struggles of getting smashed every day um things like that so there's a, a few of those resources out there already but um hopefully i'll have that out soon and um that'll be able to help out a lot of people as well that's cool and send me a uh, link when that comes out it's going to be on the on you to me yeah and I like Udemy just because it's, you know, it's almost like it's a college-level course on there. There's, like, two Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu uh, courses on there now, I think, but they're all techniques. This one, like I said, um, 
I'm going to try to make it very apparent that the idea is that it's not techniques, and so I'd like to get a lot of instructors' um, help in just kind of promoting it, because like I said, I'm probably going to end up doing it for free, um, but uh, just because there, there wouldn't be any techniques in, you know, in it, it's, okay, when you come into the gym, you know, make sure that you've, uh, you know, got a clean gi on, you've got, you know, that you get done training, you shower, stuff like that, and um, taking notes, stuff like that, all, all just little stuff to help, um, help students get better. Cool. Sounds good. And I'll be happy to, to share that when that, the uh, when that's up, do you have any sponsors for your gym that you'd like to mention? Uh, the big two ones that we have that, uh, have been really helpful is, you know, we just moved into a new gym, um, about, I think it was in August, uh, Fuji mats. Um, they're awesome. The guys there have been really good. They outfitted the mats, uh, for the gym and the place looks really nice. And Adidas, uh, combat, they have helped out actually the, the president, I didn't even realize it was the president of Adidas Combat was there. He was helping me uh, put stuff together in the gym, and I was treating him like he was some sort of sales rep for <laughs> Adidas. And then he hands me his LinkedIn information later, and I come to realize that it was the president. And I, I felt like absolutely, uh, it, just absolute idiot. So, but, well, uh, those guys have been, like I said, a really big help with the gym. I'm I'm sure you were nice to him, and it's um, that just goes to show. Be nice to everybody who who's working with you or for you, and and uh, someday you may be the president of some. <laughs> and I shouldn't say I was treating him bad. I wasn't yeah, treating yeah. him bad at all. It was just you know, I was talking to him like he was, uh, and maybe that was better. I don't know. But um, actually, the other one, if I could mention, um, Jits Lab has been helping out. They've been really instrumental in this as well. Um, and I, I don't know if you've ever heard of them before too, but they're. Um, I, I really like uh, what they're doing, especially for, for our program right now. So um, they're taking apart each one of the, you know, I mentioned that we videotape um, pretty much most of the matches, especially all the matches that are on one mat. Um, they, you know, they take down that information and they're breaking it down into uh, smaller chunks. And so um, they can give my students now a statistical uh, breakdown of their entire game. They can tell me how many times this person attempted Omoplata and how many times it failed, and then I get to have a highlight video of all their successes and all their failures um, at kind of a click of a, a mouse. And for me, that's that's crazy. Um, like I said, I, I really like that. Cool. That sounds like it, it's a big help for breaking down that video stuff. If somebody, let's say I own a gym and uh, this is this idea is interesting to me and I want to check it out in person, where where could I go find you and, and, and visit you? Sure. Uh, I am at Next Edge Academy in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Um, you can go to the website nextedgeacademy.com. It's pretty basic. Um, otherwise, look me up on you know Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, all those. Um, otherwise, uh, like I said, just come down to the gym or uh, send me an email at nextedgeacademy at gmail.com. Cool. Well, Bruce, it's been a pleasure getting to know you, uh, seeing what you've done here. Uh, I'm very impressed by by your class. I'd like to, to, to try out some of the curriculum someday and just see how it how it works and, and to watch the students as they learn uh, through, through, through your system here and, and see the, the differences that it has. I'm sure it's for a lot of people it's great, and for some people uh, maybe it didn't fit their style of, of what they – or how they learn or, or their uh, what they expect out of a jiu-jitsu class. But um, it sounds like it's going great for you. Yeah, for sure. I think it's going to be, you know, a period of maybe a couple more years at least until 
Um, you know, if, if any of my students start to do, you know, really well competition-wise, I think people will maybe start looking at it as a viable option more. Um, we've had a lot of success in the MMA realm. Um, we haven't had – we've had, um, you know, some success as far as, you know, winning uh, IBJJF tournaments in Chicago or regional tournaments, but nothing – um, other than myself on a national or international level. And so if that starts being the case, hopefully um, it'll get a little bit more uh, validity maybe to the program or add a little bit more validity to the program. So um, I guess we'll see. Yeah, and that, but, I mean, even that, winning tournaments is not the only uh, measure right. of a successful program. I mean, if people are getting more enjoyment out of it, if they're learning faster, uh, you know, that that's a big part of it. If it's uh, less intimidating, there's, there's a lot of things that uh, are – should be considered when thinking about this type of a class. Yeah, for sure. And the, the one thing I would say with that is that, you know, the, it's funny because if you look at uh, a student um, of ours that's, um, I'll say this to you, that, you know, if, say you're a regular um, normal class student, um, it'll be, uh, probably be better, honestly, um, through the first, you know, 30, 40 uh, maybe even 50 classes, but then around that 60 portion is where I uh, like to see the uh, kind of the level change, if you will. Um, it, it seems like to me just because um, maybe the person going through a normal class has had, um, you know, systems that they've built up, and so they're better in those particular areas, whereas somebody um, that's kind of come through this program maybe has a little bit more well-rounded um, just because of the kind of the flip-flopping that we do with techniques quite a bit and um, has a slightly more uh, evolved game. And it seems like at about class 60 is where that, that really happens. So. Sounds great, and, and I appreciate you uh, sharing sharing what you're doing. And uh, I think that's one, like a theme of jiu-jitsu is, you know, you, you, we're rolling and I get caught in something I could ask you, and most people will gladly share what they did to, to catch you. And, and you have a unique teaching way, and you're opening the doors and, and really showing us and telling us how and why you're doing things, and I appreciate that. Yeah, for sure. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you, Bruce Hoyer, for the interview. Uh, definitely learned a lot about uh, different ways of teaching. And, uh, you know, w- whether you're a student or an instructor, um, just kind of looking at what he does is, is going to – uh, maybe give you some ideas about about the learning process in jujitsu. So uh, I think we all learned a lot there. And uh, he seems like you know if you want to adopt this system or part of the system, give him a, give him a, contact him, and it sounds like he'll be able to help you out. And he's willing to do that for anybody. So a uh, very nice guy. Uh, great to have him on the show here. Yep, and it's just a unique way of training. I I always like hearing different ways and. To be honest, I've never heard anything like this, and uh, I think it's an awesome idea. And uh, one thing I really like is when, let's say, I go to a traditional class or practice, we, we work on a specific move in that practice. But I like here everybody's doing something different. If you know you're in class twenty, you're you're you know what you need to do based off your notebook for class twenty. So when you get to the rolling part, you really don't know what each person's going for, uh, depending on what they. Everybody learned a little something different that day. So I, I thought that's a pretty cool idea. Yep. You got that Pacific move that you're trying to work on, and nobody knows what it is, right, Gary? Yep. It's it's the super secret move. <laughs> I just wondered if you'd bust me on me saying Pacific instead of specific, and you were such a I nice did guy. I used to say Pacific, and uh, I was nice enough not to uh, – uh, 
call uh, me out. Bring it up. Yeah, what a guy I am. What a nice guy, Gary. Yep. yep. Yeah, or you just like to have but me did doing... you know you did use the wrong term there, Byron? Well, not specifically the wrong term, but just just <laughs> just a different. I just said it a different way. I mean, it's not incorrect. Yeah. Is it? Yep. Yeah. Your it favorite is. TV show used to be Specific Blue, not Pacific. <laughs> I've never even seen that. Never heard of it, Gary. Oh, it was a great movie. You need to, or a great TV show. Google it. Google it. Speaking of Googling it, go to your Google box and type in BJJ Brick and then Facebook. Pretty sure it'll pop up as one of the first things that you find. You also see the same thing for Twitter and YouTube. And uh, connect with us on the social medias. If you want to get a hold of us, uh, bjjbrick at gmail.com is a great way to get a hold of us or the Facebook um, little chat thing that's on our on our fan page. That's a great way to get a hold of both me and Gary. We'll check that out usually. Yeah, you know, the Facebook, as Byron keeps talking about. But um, also <laughs> go on to the Google, type Google into your browser and get on the interwebs there. And uh, go uh, uh Give us a review. Go to iTunes, and like we said, this was a five-star show today. We think it was, and uh, you know, let us know uh, how we're doing. Uh, give us some comments, and and try to make your review funny. We we love funny reviews. We will talk about them on air, and we also have the review of the year, um, which we just did for the first time here a, a year back. So we missed the first year, but second year, the reviewer of the year was Nathan Hadley. So you definitely want to make sure you're in the Hall of Fame there with Nathan. So uh, give us a review. And if you give us a funny review, send us that email. Uh, Byron said bjjbrick at gmail.com. And let us know that was you, and we'll get you a, uh, a BJJ Brick patch, a gee patch for your gee. Yep. Gary, uh, I just checked. We've had no reviews the entire month. So you know what we're going to do? I gotta, you got to take makes, action. That makes us sad pandas. you got to take action, Gary. I'm going to play the Warriors clip. So here we go. Grapplers, come out and roll. Grapplers, come out and roll. Grapplers, come out and roll. All right now, for all you grapplers out there on the big mat, I've been asked to send out a request. The BJJ Brick Podcast is going to need some help on this one. They are in it deep. Real deep. They want you to write them a funny review on iTunes, if you think you can. If you feel like they've been doing good, Real good. They would love it if you gave them five stars. Make some jokes, please. You can even do it at their expense. They will read it on the podcast. And of course, for your efforts, they will be happy to send you out a key patch. A BJJ Brick key patch. Okay, grapplers. We are going to need to do better out there. We got no reviews this week. Well, that was a little clip from the old classic movie, The Warriors. Uh, just kind of telling you the, the down and dirty of what's going on. We need some reviews, some help from you guys uh, out there. And if you, if you were a fan of that movie, um, 
like like Gary and I were. Uh, that was probably a semi-humorous uh, little segment. If you don't know what the movie is about, uh, well, sorry about that. <laughs> but it's Burn, a- though. Imagine if they made a remake of The Warriors. They're making everything. Yeah. And we had a gang that had – that was all – you know, a jujitsu. Oh man. How cool would that be? That would be awesome. Yeah. I, I just think we came up with the best idea. We could Remake do this. The warriors. Yeah. This we'll is going to happen. Yeah. yeah. This, this is, this is it, Gary. We, we just came up with a, a, a good part of a movie. That's going to be great. Yep. We're going to work on the copyright right now. Yep. Instead of the baseball guys with the, with the pinstripes and the bats, it's guys in geese and they're walking there in bare feet and, and walking around, you know, trying to, Choke somebody. Choke I was going to say, I, I wouldn't mess with somebody walking around with a gi. I wouldn't mess with the baseball get back guys either, though. <laughs> you know? I mean, they, yeah, they're all they dangerous gangs. Well, maybe they want to get arrested. Yeah. But yeah, we could have uh, – well, we'd still want to have those guys in there. Yeah. Either way, you want to be able to communicate with the gang that's going to attack you. I mean, you want to try to negotiate some situations of, of rules or fairness. Uh, speaking about communications with, with people that, uh, you know – you really should uh, get the communication lines going. We're going to have Claudio teach us a little bit of Portuguese today. So when you go out to Brazil, you can talk to some people a little bit better. Or if you just go to the Brazilian restaurant in your town, it's definitely going to help you out. There, hey, you got uh, good ways to practice uh, this this here. Um, so uh, today, uh, Claudio is going to teach us a basic greeting. So you could be a friendly person. Uh, and your adventures in Brazil. So here we go. Here's our friend Claudio. All right, my friends, I'm happy to start a new segment uh, to the BJJ Brick Podcast. We're going to try to learn a little bit of Portuguese. I have my good friend Claudio uh, on uh, the show with me today. Claudio, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Brian. Appreciate it. Invitation. Thank you. I'm, I'm looking forward to, to doing this. And anybody who is up for traveling to Brazil um, that doesn't know uh, Portuguese, this could be uh, some really great information you share. Tell me a little bit about yourself and, and why I've chosen you to uh, to help me with this. Well, I'm not sure if I'm the best qualified <laughs> Portuguese teacher around here, but <laughs> I'm from Brazil. I was uh, born and raised in Brazil. I've been in the U.S. since 2000, so I've been learning still some English. Um, but yeah, I, um, all my family is in Brazil. And uh, amazingly enough, I, I trained just a little bit of jiu-jitsu there in Brazil. So I trained for about six, seven months, and I started training here. So a lot of my, my experience in that field is from from U.S., so I'll have to consult some of my friends in Brazil <laughs> about some of the expressions and, and things like that in the jiu-jitsu uh, area. But, yeah, I'll be glad to teach you some, some Portuguese. And maybe next time, next week, when you go to Brazil, you can you can speak fluently there. <laughs> well, I'll be far from fluent, that's for sure. I'm not the, the best um, in, uh, language learner. I, I've barely figured out English here. Uh, but uh, but I, I think I've traveled to a few different countries where they don't speak a whole lot of English, and uh, knowing a few key words has really helped me um, get around a little bit. So I think that we'll be able to get some good advice from you uh, in the next couple of episodes. Yeah, yeah. A few, a few things where we can we can go through. It's just basic, you know, like hi or how are you, or I don't speak English. 
if you're okay, we can we can run that. Yeah, that'd be that'd be a good way to start. Okay. All right. What would you like to learn first? Uh, how about hello? Okay. Yeah. Or, would that work? Okay. Hello, or some okay. kind of a friendly greeting? Yeah. Okay. If you if you're trying to be nice uh, in Brazil, first of all, you, you need to understand. If you don't speak English in Brazil, everybody will try to speak with you some way or another. They're going to draw a picture. They're going to gesture around. They'll try to communicate. So you don't have to be too worried about communicating in Brazil just because of that. I think it's part of the culture, too. Okay. Just trying to help out. But it's good to have a few words and phrases that you can you know, express that you are interested in that culture. Uh, first thing, uh, hello. We we can use oi. It's a simple one. It's uh, spelled O I. Oi. And oi. There you go. Another another way to say hello is hola. It's similar to Spanish, so you can say hola. Hola. Go ahead, Barry. Hola. 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 <laughs> Very good. Look at that. You're. <laughs> You're very fluent in Portuguese already. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and something else, too, a little more common to say is uh, tudo bem. It's kind of like, how are you? Uh, so two words, tudo bem. So tudo bem, with a question you know, mark at the end of it. It's basically, hey, how's it going? A little more informal. Do do and then is it is it is it Bing or Bang? Bing. It's, Bing. Uh, it spells T U D O, and then the second word Bing is B E M, as Tutu Bing. Uh, all well. That's the translation for it. All well. Tutu Bing. Tutu Bing. There you go. Oh man, that's uh, I'm not quite getting it, but I think I'm getting closer. A, a, a little harder. <laughs> so, you can stick with the oi or hola. Okay. So if some people know a little Spanish from school, hola is it's very similar to the Spanish version of it, and we use quite a bit too. All right. Well, we've got uh, a nice way, and I've always found that if you're smiling and, and you try to look friendly uh, with a greeting. Um, I, I communicate several things when I'm saying a greeting in a different language, uh, one of which is that I don't speak the language very well because I usually uh, do it um, not uh, – I don't sound like I'm native. So um, mm-hmm. w- with a greeting and a smile, uh, they instantly know that uh, I don't know much um, right. Portuguese or or Spanish or uh, you know Thai or whatever I'm trying to say. But they also know that I'm, I'm friendly and I'm trying, so – um, yeah, now that's that's the way to do it. Don't don't be afraid to say it. Don't be afraid to to express yourself the way you you can, and the, somebody else will will help you. That's that's for sure. And then is it um, normal to just say it right back? If somebody says "oi" to me, can do I just say "oi" right back, or is that? Oh yeah, oh, okay. Yeah. If you tell me "oi," I would reply with that "oi," to the bank. Something like this. And, and then you just turn around and say, hey, yes, I'm okay. Or like, tudo bem, again. <laughs> okay. Well, this... Did you get all that? Oi, hola, and tutu bem. Tudo bem, yeah. Okay, let's practice now, Byron. I'll, I'll say, 
Oi, Byron, tudo bem? Oi, Clario. Bem. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> tudo bem. <laughs> so it's kind of like saying, uh, like, how's it going? And, and then people mm-hmm. just say, how's it going right back to you? They don't actually tell you how they're doing. Exactly. That's okay. Exactly. Like, that's what's happening? The they don't usually say, like, they tell you about their day. Okay. Well, that sounds all right. That's a, that's a good first lesson, and I'm uh, already right. uh, a little overwhelmed, so we'll let this simmer a little while, and uh, we'll come back and we'll do another lesson next week. We'll see you next week, then. All right, that was our first uh, segment of uh, of at least nine that we have already recorded uh, with our friend Claudio. He's a, a local blue belt here from Brazil. Uh, very fun guy to train with, and just uh, you know, you can tell he's a happy person, and he's uh, such a nice person to to share a little bit of this to help us out learning a little bit of Portuguese. So uh, we'll continue to air these segments as I struggle to learn these. I do have some. Um, I can tell you because they've been recorded that some of these words kind of stump me, and it's kind of uh, so. I'll try to. He'll tell me what to say, and I'll try to say it. And it's you know, editing these, I hear myself clearly saying it wrong, and uh, and it's a bit of an experience. If you want to, if you're going to Brazil anytime soon, or you want to just get all these episodes, all these uh, language learning skills uh, right now, go to our YouTube channel, or you can type in BJJ Brick and Portuguese on YouTube, and it'll pop right up. I'd imagine. Um, I've got all the segments there. It's about an hour long. It's just Claudio's your teacher. I'm in the classroom with you learning Portuguese. He'll t- say the word and I'll try to pronounce it uh, a lot of times and uh, butcher it sometimes. So, um, But uh, it's all up there. All of the uh, segments are already online on YouTube. If not, just hang with us every episode and you'll get to check them out that way. So you got two ways to learn. You can do it all now on YouTube or you can just get it every week there from our friend Claudio. Thank you, Claudio. Yeah, thanks, buddy. Yeah, and hey, if you ever happen to uh, come through the Midwest, uh, send us a line either at bjjbrick at gmail.com uh, or send us a message on Facebook, and uh, we'd love to train with you. So we're in Wichita, Kansas. If you happen to come through, let us know. And uh, also, don't forget uh, to stay tuned next week. Uh, next week we have an awesome show. We have uh, Dan Colville. Uh, uh, Marcelo Garcia's Academy is instructor there, Black Belt. So definitely check it out. What's better than uh, Marcelo Garcia Academy instructor, Black Belt? Uh, so stay tuned for uh, Dan Colville next week. Yep, definitely looking forward to sharing Dan Colville's interview with everybody. And as always, stay sweaty, my friends. And don't forget to shower. Thank you for listening. I hope you find the time today to roll. After all, the best way to get better at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is to do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu.